We're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read through the end of chapter 4 into the beginning of chapter 5. And Paul is um, Paul's addressing this, this circumstance about th- this idea that circumstances aren't always ideal, but we don't have to lose heart. So we're going to start in verse four, chapter 4, verse 16. Say amen if you're ready. That was a semi-enthusiastic one, but I'll take it. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent... That our earth, that is our earthly home is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we will be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And he who has prepared for us this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. Look at somebody and say, man, we should be always of good courage. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. Father, we thank you this morning. God, we do have an eternal hope that we can be thankful for. Lord, we're not going to ignore our circumstances, but, but we know in spite of them, there's hope in you. We thank you for that. We pray that you'd breathe that into us today. And we pray our response would be to be thankful. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Ever ask yourself, is it worth it? I am somebody that calculates things like that, like... um, how much effort we're going to have to put into something and is the effort you put into it worth the outcome? If you, if you run a business, if you, if you manage people, you're constantly assessing those type of things that we're going to get ready to put this much energy into it. Is the outcome going to be worth, is return on investment going to be worth what we put into it? And so you constantly kind of ask yourself, is it worth it? And today we do that probably more than ever before because after all, um, Things have gotten sideways in the last couple of years, haven't they? We've made it through two years of the coronavirus, and it feels like things are starting to lighten up a little bit, uh, only to wake up, what was it, Friday or Saturday, and find out there's another variant. The stock market plunged on Friday on fears that it would cause another shutdown. And matter of fact, I believe on Monday there's going to be Uh, countries shut down for travel again. 
So you think, man, we worked so hard to get through this thing only to be, only to have another thing pop up. Doesn't seem worth it. Political onslaught of, uh, of just turmoil. Politically, it's just turmoil all the time. You turn on the news, and I was, I was making a comment to a friend the other day. I said, you know what? We don't get regular news anymore. We don't get, there's no news about the Boy Scout doing a project and benefiting the community. It's 100% political, 100% of the time. Oh, well, the Boy Scout must have had an agenda. Yeah. So you wonder if it's worth it. Maybe you woke up this morning in a circumstance that you never thought you'd be in. And you had an idea about your life and where it would go and how it would turn out and all those things. And it hadn't panned out quite the way you thought. And you're trying to figure out if it was worth it. If it's, how can I be thankful in this environment? Paul what, what I like about the Apostle Paul is he didn't, he didn't need to polish anything up to be confident about the gospel. He didn't need to bait and switch anybody to preach the gospel. He didn't need life to be perfect for God to be perfect. There's this dichotomy that everybody deals with about the idea of a perfect God but an imperfect world. And Paul didn't need the two to come together. He didn't need God to be imperfect to have a perfect world. But then he didn't need the world to be perfect to have a perfect God. He understood that both of those things could operate in the same realm. That we could have an absolutely perfect, sinless God and yet be ravaged by the effects of sin on this earth. Sickness and disease and hatred and uh, just keep going down the list. Politics. You know that's from the devil. That we are living in the midst of fallen humanity, subject to the effects of fallen humanity, and yet God is absolutely just and perfect. Paul didn't need to dress up humanity or need humanity to be perfect to believe that God was the perfect Savior. He didn't need the two to be exactly the same. He was okay with, okay with the dichotomy at hand. So then when he writes his letters, he's brutally honest about circumstances, but eternally hopeful at the same time. Brutally honest about circumstances, eternally hopeful. Which is something that we're losing in today's world. Because as a people, we seem to ebb and flow with the circumstance. Is that true? I can feel my... Uh, I could feel my heart race just a little bit when I woke up Friday and I started reading about the new variant. And I was like, oh my, are you kidding me? I found it in South Africa. Now that's not super close to Kenya, but it could be close enough. I'm trying to schedule a trip this year. I haven't been able to go back in two years. And if the devil screws this one up, So I felt myself kind of doing that. Oh my, are you kidding me? Again, instead of being thankful that God, you have seen me through. And so I'm thankful for the future. I felt myself doing it.
Thankfulness does not demand ignoring current realities. He is brutally honest. Verse 16, he says, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. That's some colorful language, isn't it? Our outer self is wasting away. This body we live in is not getting healthier. The older you get, the worse it gets. A couple of people in here should be like, oh yeah. I've been talking to people here lately going, man, this getting old thing is not for sissies. This is real. It starts to hurt. Paul is saying this outer self is wasting away. There's no, he's not, he's not saying, oh, you just pray and, and when you're 80, it'll just feel great. He's not saying anything like that. He's saying this shell of a body we have is not designed to be forever in our current status. It's not designed to make it through everything. It's not designed to be pain free. It's, it's actually living through the effects of sin. It's actually struggling on a daily basis to make it through the effects of sin. And God has given this with their miraculous ability to stay alive now on the average of 70 plus years and enjoy life. And now we have all these technological advances where we can push it past that and, and, and be somewhat pain-free and manage all that stuff. And that's a beautiful thing that we have going, but don't believe it for a second that it was designed not to pass away. The sin effect on us, Paul says, this shell is wasting away. I don't have to, I don't have to cover that up for God to be good. I don't have to cover that up for God to be just. I don't have to cover anything. So he's honest. Though our outer self is wasting away, Paul instinctively and intimately knew the difficulties, difficulties associated with his life. Matter of fact, in the same letter, at the beginning of the letter, he recounts a time when he was in Asia where he said, hey, I don't want you to be uninformed, man. We didn't want to live. Now, this is why this is a little bit ironic because we don't think like Paul thought couple thousand years ago. We think totally different now. I don't think there's anybody in the room that would raise their hand and say, I actually believe that Jesus is going to come back before I die. We don't think like that anymore. We think, oh, it could happen. He could return. Sure. Yeah. Maybe a week or two. I don't know. Paul literally believed That Jesus would return before he breathed his last breath. The apostles believe that. So he's recounting this time in the not too distant past where he was in Asia and he thought they had the death sins and it was a reality check to him that, hey, this body might not make it. He said, we despaired life. We, We thought we had the death sentence. Paul's not covering that up. He's being honest about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. So if any of you are going around with the idea that God will not give you more than you can bear. <laughs> Paul's writing to the second letter to the church of Corinth saying, listen. 
When we were in Asia, my team was burdened beyond our strength to bear it up. And we were convinced that we were going to die right there. I was not sure I would ever write this letter. I was not sure I'd ever get to Rome. I was not sure about any of my future. We were going to die. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. You know what that means? I didn't want to live. Now listen, being threatened with death and not wanting to live are two different things. He says, we thought it was over. You see, the gospel message is not one, is not about a life without difficulty or denying the presence of difficulty. You know, when you bump into somebody at Walmart and they're like, you're like, how are you? Good. Well, how's it going? Bro, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I saw a couple things on Facebook. No, that's better. You know, that's good. And we think we've got to polish our life up in order for people to think God is good. Paul didn't do that. A perfect God and an imperfect life were not contradictions to Paul, but the reality he lived in. And ignoring the difference is not faith at all. Covering up the imperfect life we have, covering up the pain that we experience, covering up the difficulties, covering up the wasting away of our bodies is not faith. In a lot of ways, it's ignorance. So Paul didn't cover it up. Matter of fact, Jesus didn't tell us to cover it up. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, trouble, difficulties. It's not going to go the way you want it to. People are going to People are going to mess up your parade. It's going to not work out every time like you want it to work out. Probably a lot of the time, not the way you want it to work out. But you can have peace, not because your life will be perfect, but because I win at the end. That's what he says. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So he's not saying take heart because if you pray hard enough, your life will straighten up. We'll get to that in a second. He's not saying take heart because, because after all, you came to church Sunday, so the rest of the week should be better. It may, but it may not. Because here's what I'm finding out. A lot of my week doesn't depend on me. It depends on other filthy sinners that work at this church with me. You see, if I said that about your job, it wouldn't have been as funny. Paul wasn't ignoring anything but teaching in the midst of this tent wasting away, there's a future hope that we can be thankful for. You see, he wasn't saying all is lost. He was saying this is the reality. So what we have to do is point to the new reality in Christ. We can still be hopeful and thankful because this isn't the last reality. This isn't it. So he's saying, hey, there's still a reason to have hope. There's still a reason to be thankful. There's just one little adjustment we have to make. You have to look a little further down the road. It's, it's, it, it may be called something a little bit like delayed gratification, which I know is really unpopular today. And I, I'll be honest with you, I like it that I don't have to wait. I think Amazon should deliver it in 30 minutes or less. Like... <laughs> 
they should do the Domino's thing. If they don't get it to me in 30 minutes, they should knock some, some off the price. I like it at instant. I don't, my wife will tell you, I don't like to wait. I want it, man. I want to get it done. I want to do it. But the whole message of the gospel is that God has prepared something for us in the future. You see, we're not, we're not victims of someone else. We've created our own sin. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if we could just sit back and blame everybody else for everything? Oh, you know, well, my neighbor, <laughs> it's all their fault. It's all my parents' fault. It's all my, my relatives' fault. You know, it's genetics. It's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. But the Bible is very specific about be, us being responsible for our own sin. And that what that effect has on our life. And none of us can get out of that without Jesus. So what God did was he sent Jesus to change the current, to change the reality, not necessarily change our current circumstance. So what happens is we accept Christ into our lives and it doesn't necessarily change the fact of where we live, how we grew up, all that stuff and what financial circumstance or who got elected. It doesn't, it doesn't change really any of that. It does change your future though. Yeah, and that's a big deal. And that's a giant deal. So what we have to do as believers, we have to start at times in our lives. Paul's not saying, wow, I'm so thankful that this body's dying. Woo, feels great. No, he's saying, I'm thankful that in the midst of this tent wasting away, I can look forward to a permanent house that the creator of all the universe built for me. And there is nothing that can take it away from me. There's nothing that can disturb it. All the stuff that can affect a tent. You ever been tent camping? It's fun for a weekend. You earthy people that like to tent camp, come on. We created indoor plumbing for a reason. I like to camp. It's a big group of guys do it once a year. From the, we go out and camp out on the beach in this desolate place where you, there's nothing there. You can't buy anything. Nobody's, there's nothing. I'm so excited when I get there. And when I get home, I'm even more excited. I'm like, I didn't have to ride a vehicle a mile to go to the bathroom. Paul says, this tent's wasting away. Crazy part about a tent, so susceptible to all the elements. This past year we camped and um, Wednesday night we were there, it rained so hard. I don't think anybody slept. Some of the guys that slept in their trucks slept. But if you slept in a tent, you didn't sleep. A couple of us constantly getting up wondering if the whole tip of the island was going to wash over. The wind's blowing and the tent's just flopping around. And you immediately knew how susceptible you were to bad things. And we woke up the next day and we thought, okay, it can't get worse than this. And then it rained so hard. And there was nowhere you could go without getting wet. You start asking yourself, we haven't caught that many fish. This isn't worth it. 
So you start pointing farther than your current circumstance. And that's what Paul was trying to do. He was saying, look, I don't want you to be uninformed. There's been seasons in my life where I didn't want to live anymore. But I'm not pointing to that. I'm pointing to the permanent house that God's promised me. That's not affected by the winds and the waves. That doesn't have mosquitoes in it. That, 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 that can't get sick. That, that won't get tattered by the wind. It's a house. And I'm telling you, every time I come back from that camping trip, I thank God that I live in a house. And not a tent. And recently, um, I'm middle-aged now, and I've been pretty strong my whole life. Physical guy, likes to do it myself. You know, swap engines and cars and transmissions. I do it, just do it myself. I'll figure it out. Build things, create things. I just love doing that stuff. And, and for the past three weeks, um, I've had some minor surgeries on my wrists and elbows. I'm having trouble opening up a soda bottle. Couldn't put my socks on. Couldn't pull my own pants up. And I started thinking, Lord, I don't know if this was worth it. For the last three years, I've been at night. Uh, I probably haven't slept through the night in three, three and a half years because every night my arms would fall asleep all the way up to my elbows. And I'd wake up multiple times a night. And if I did any serious activity, I'd be out sleeping on the couch. Not because I got in trouble, because my arms fell asleep. And so at one point in time, it was worth it to me. And now that I can barely open up a soda bottle, I didn't think, I'm starting to question. I was sitting around the house for three weeks going absolutely nuts. And God's reminding me, you got to point to the future. If you get buried in your current circumstance, you won't give thanks. I'll go back to the doctor on December 7th. I'll say, what'd you do to me? Oh, but if I can point to the future and say, you know what? In another month, maybe, if I do the little ball squeezy thing, I'll be just as strong as I was before. Maybe I'll sleep through the night. But right now, it's terrible. I've never had a surgery, never been sick. I'm like, Chris, you can't open up a soda bottle by yourself. Good thing I got an 18-year-old boy. <laughs> Can I still be thankful when all I have is the future? Can I still be thankful when all I have is the future? Some of you may have walked in here this morning. You say, Chris, I'm like, I'm where Paul was in Asia. Like I despair of life. The pressure it is on me right now. That's okay. That's okay. What Paul's saying is if all you can be thankful for is the future, that's enough. That's enough. Be thankful that God so loved the world that he sent Christ to die for you and me. That in the midst of, of turmoil and pain, we can look up to the future and we can say, hey, you know what? It is super bright where I'm going. It's got none of this. If this thing is wasting away and I admit it and it's starting to get painful and it's starting to hurt, but I lift up my eyes where my help comes from and it doesn't look anything like this. 
Here's the problem. <laughs> I wish this didn't happen, but it did. Probably 30, 40 years ago, we changed that message in the church. And we started preaching, come to Jesus and right now we'll improve. And if you've been coming to this church any length of time, you know I despise that message. It's hurt more people than you can even imagine. Man, I tried Jesus. It didn't work. What did you try him for? Salvation? Did you try him for eternal life? No, no, no. I tried Jesus to fix this problem with my husband or this problem with my wife. I tried Jesus to fix my kids. I tried Jesus to fix my job. I tried Jesus to fix my financial circumstance. I tried Jesus to fix the pain in my back. I tried Jesus to fix all these things. And guess what? Some of them didn't get better, so it didn't work. Paul's saying, there's only so much you can fix on something that's wasting away. Guess what? Lazarus did get raised from the dead, but that bum died twice. This whole thing's wasting away. There there is no hope for this body making it the way it's currently structured. That's not what we put our hope in. We put our hope in the fact that he built a house for us next time, not a tent. So when the church changed the message to come to Jesus and everything gets better, it didn't help anything. Because I don't know if you've looked out the window lately, but it's not getting better. It's not getting better. We've walked through two years of the coronavirus, depending on, and I'm not on my soapbox, but depending on people, whether you think they did it right or did it wrong, and the national debate, and should we do this, should we do that, only to wake up Friday and find out there's something, there's another twist in the story, and we're not sure what's going to happen, and all this, and that our lives have been changed forever. And then, and so the church ends up, when we think that way, the church ends up rising and falling on whatever thing's happening in the moment. politics and if if our guy or your guy or this one or that one was the church gonna man we're not and paul's saying man the reason i don't lose hope has nothing to do matter of fact let me can i enlighten you on something we think that we live in the most political tumultuous time in history because cable news spits it out to us 24 hours a day seven days a week Guess what? It's not true. I would argue that at Jesus' time and and later Paul's time was some of the most politically tumultuous times in human history. Go back and read about the Romans. They like to kill each other. Yeah. Being an emperor was kind of dangerous. Maybe lessened your life expectancy being in charge. Guess what Paul, guess how many times Paul mentions political turmoil and the success of the church? Paul never says, well, I'm glad we got the right emperor now, man, where the church is going to just do great. Yeah, my retirement's going to be impressive. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, the next four years, it's just going to be wonderful. Yeah, I think I'll let it write a letter about the church getting so worked up about politics. Scan through the Paul's letters to the church. He doesn't mention it. 
He doesn't mention the church going up or down according to who got elected. He doesn't mention the church having success or no success according to who is in power. He doesn't mention it at all. He doesn't talk about it. And the thing the church got wrapped up in is how comfortable can our current life be according to who got elected? Paul's like, that doesn't decide whether I'm satisfied or not. That doesn't decide whether God is on the throne or whether he's faithful to me who got elected. That, that determines nothing. You don't see Paul's attitude towards the future going up and down based on political circumstances or anything else that's going on. It was solely based on the fact that God keeps every one of his promises. He says, so we have hope. Even though this outer shell is wasting away, we have hope. Why? Because I'm not looking at what happened today. I'm looking at what he promised me tomorrow. I have hope for the future. I'm thankful that God's going to keep every one of his promises. He who began a good work in you will complete it. There is no maybe. There's no he, he might be able to get you there. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. And the Bible says it quickens your mortal bodies. So it gives you the ability to make it through this life and inherit the next one. So we got to look a little farther down the road. If I could get you this morning, if I could get you this morning to pick your head up. You know what gets us in trouble driving now? We got our head down. Trying to figure out what's happening on our phone. Don't look at me like you don't do it. You got mounts in your car so you can keep the phone right in front of your face. Well, I got a message on Facebook. It's more important than the interstate right now. <laughs> you know what the key to be a successful interstate driver? Looking past the car in front of you. Looking past your current circumstance. Looking down the road far enough where you can tell when something happens. The problem is nobody's looking down the road that far. So everybody's susceptible to everything that happens. If the church could pick up our heads for a second and stop letting the news and the coronavirus and all that stuff cause us to ebb and flow with our hope and our thanksgiving. If we could pick up our head in a second and say, hey, wait a second, man. The future actually does look really, really bright. He said we'd have trouble, but have peace because he overcame all the trouble. My future is not reliant on you doing anything right. Boy, that should leave the stress off of you. My future is not reliant on a good economy, on a good retirement. My future is not reliant on that. And Paul said something that we don't talk about anymore. He said, I'll be honest with you. I'd rather, I'd rather be there. He had gotten to a place in his life not that his current circumstance was so bad that he didn't want to be there, but the next one was so good. We inherently don't believe that anymore. We inherently don't believe that anymore, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Paul says in this comment, you know what? I'd rather be absent from the body. I'll just be honest with you. This thing wasting away ain't fun. And the promises he's made me and the things I've seen... 
I'd rather be with him. Now that message is lost on the church today because we've said, if you do X, Y, and Z, this life will be so fun. You may not want to go to the next one. It's the antithesis of what Paul was preaching. Paul was preaching. Some of you have heard me say this before. My kids used to say, hey, when they were really little, we talk about heaven. I was like, got chocolate there? Oh, it's better than that. And the biggest thing their little minds could come up with, I'd say, man, it's better than that. Because Paul says this to us. No eye has seen. I don't care where you've lived. I don't care what you've seen. I've traveled a lot of the world and I've seen some beautiful places. Stood on the top of the Eiffel Tower and looked all around Paris and thought, man, this is pretty sweet. I've been in an African game park where lions and all that stuff are just coming up to your view. I mean, it's been cool. And Paul says, I don't care what you've laid your eyes on in this world. It's better than that. He says, the most beautiful symphony or music that you could ever imagine, the most spectacular piece of music the human ear has ever heard. He says, you've never heard anything like it. He says, matter of fact, the most intelligent people on the earth, the most creative people, you put them all in the same room and you have them come up with the most unbelievable thing anybody could ever imagine. And he says, they haven't even got close. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. It hasn't even reached. You can't think about it. He said, that's what he's prepared for us. That's what he's prepared for us. My fear is the church is trading that for comfort now. We're trading it. We're trading the idea of a God who wants to be with us so bad that he would send Jesus, his own son, to die for us. And then he doesn't want to extend it out. And he, he says, I want to be with you. And Paul in the first century church knew that intimately. And he said, man, I, this is, I'd rather be with you. He was looking forward to it, not fighting it. I wonder if in our modern day comforts and our have it my way mentality, we haven't traded an eternal life with our Savior for a pretty comfortable one now. And people will reject Christianity because it doesn't make it more comfortable. But Paul, Paul had a, one little thing at the end. I'm going to leave you with the band's going to come up. One little thing at the end. He says this multiple times, always of good courage, always of good courage. Verse six, always of good courage, always of good courage. He said, while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body at home with the Lord. So then this little thing in verse nine that you could read and overlook, you could just read and overlook the whole thing. Verse nine, this little statement right here. So whether we are at home or away, here's the trick. Here's the thing. Put it up on the screen. You'll be thankful about the future. Live your life like this. Whether we are at home or away, whether we are in this body or out of this body with the Lord, dead in this world. Look at what he says in verse nine. We make it our aim to please him. We make it our aim to please him. We make it our aim to please him.
I could be thankful about an opportunity he's going to give me tomorrow to please him. I could be thankful about an opportunity he's going to give me in six weeks to please him. Lord, you left me on this earth. I want to please you today. Lord, you still have work for me to do. I'm still here. I want to please you today. Lord, even though it's difficult today, more difficult than I ever imagined it would be, I get an opportunity to please you. The author of my hope, of my faith, the one who's created for me an eternity that I can never imagine, I can never dream. You love me so much that you saved me. Today I get the opportunity to please you. You want to be thankful about the future no matter what goes on? Make you go to please him every day. Right at the end, he tucks that in. Whether I'm here or away, I'm just going to please him. Church, can we do that in this season of uncertainty, of this season of political turmoil and pandemic turmoil and cultural turmoil? where everything seems to be flipped upside down. You don't know You don't know if right is right anymore or wrong is wrong. It just seems all confusing and you never know what's going on. How about we stop ebbing and flowing with all that stuff? Start looking out a little further and say, man, you know what? He is still worth pleasing. He's still worth pleasing. Look at that. Look at the future he's guaranteed me. Look at the... Look at the eternity he's guaranteed me. Look at the hope I have in him. Look at the care he's had for me. Look at all that he has already done. And look at his promises that he is keeping every day. I can be thankful for that. I can wake up every morning thankful that I'm not stuck here. Wake up every morning thankful this is not the end of the story. Wake up every morning thankful. I just look a little farther and make up my mind. I'm going to please him today. Amen? Can we do that today? Come on, stand to your feet. He is worth it. He is worth every bit of it. And I think I, I want you to make a commitment. I'm not saying the simmer won't be without his difficulties. I'm not saying that everything's going to end up smooth. But I want you to make a commitment this morning that no matter what it does, whether it goes up or down or sideways, that you're going to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm thankful for the future I have in you. I'm hopeful today because you're keeping promises about tomorrow. I am I am of good hope today because of what you promised me. Amen.